Hey, keto freaks, this is Carl. Do you or someone you know have trouble focusing? You know what I'm talking about. You sit down to read something, try to figure out your monthly budget, write that novel you've been putting off, or maybe you just can't seem to do one task at a time. Well, you may not know this, but I'm a musician as well as a software developer. Programming is a job that requires focus, long periods of uninterrupted work. It's hard for them and for you. I've created Music to Code By. This is music, yes, but it's specifically and scientifically designed to promote focus. Studies show that when math students were exposed to Baroque music between 60 and 80 beats per minute, they did better with comprehension and testing. So I created more modern music that is neither boring nor distracting, but falls within that tempo range. It's just the right mix. I also made the pieces 25 minutes long. That correlates to research that shows we all get brain fatigue after 20 or so minutes of hard focus. The result is thousands of happy customers. Now, you don't have to be a programmer to reap the benefits of music to code by. It has been known to soothe restless pets, calm fussy babies, and even help autistic kids relax and fall asleep. Listen to some free samples at musictocodeby.net. Welcome back to Two Keto Dudes. I'm Carl Franklin from Connecticut in the United States, and in February of this year, I put myself on a ketogenic diet to take control of my metabolism. In that time, I managed to reverse all my markers of type 2 diabetes with diet alone. Hi, I'm Richard Morris in Canberra, Australia. I've been on a ketogenic diet for over two years. When I started, I was very sick with complications from type 2 diabetes. Within six months of starting a ketogenic diet, all of my biomarkers of disease had disappeared. We're going to share the progress of my journey through ketosis and Richard's experience thriving for years in ketosis, and hopefully that might help a few people who are curious about this kind of dietary hacking. Yeah, we're not doctors. We don't want to give anyone any medical advice, but we are keen to share our own experiences. We're actually both software developers, yep. so we're not afraid of a little technical detail. Nah. Uh, we've done some research into our own deranged metabolisms and the science behind that. We hope to share some of that research. So where possible, we intend to put links in the show notes to cite research supporting any claims that we make. You'll probably work out pretty quickly that we're both foodies. We love to cook and we love to eat. So we share some of the great food that we can eat on this diet. Every episode, both of us share a recipe for an essential keto meal that we eat on a regular basis. So yeah. Richard, let's start podcast number 19, The Ketophobia Show. Hey. Ah, ketophobia. It just sort yeah. of rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Things that scare us about keto. Yeah. So do we have any corrections or apologies from last week, Richard? Um, let me see. None, nada, zip, ing and ting, and niente, nichevo, and bupkis. We got Bup nothing. <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing. So, well, unfortunately, well, let's, let, hopefully we'll make a couple of mistakes this week and we'll have something to apologize for. Definitely. We're getting better at this, I know. Um, I think so. <laughs> so, 
So for the newbies, let's reprise. What is a ketogenic diet? Well, we restrict carbs. And That's some would right. say eat as few carbs as possible, except that you get from green leafy vegetables, incidentals, broccoli, cabbage, uh, yeah. maybe a few nuts, whatever. Um, 20 grams a day is sort of the maximum for the ketogenic yeah. diet, although Richard and I are typically five grams a day. Um, 50 grams a day seems to be the absolute cap that you yeah, should, that's right. for, for even mild ketosis, but, um, you know, less is more <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and enough protein to maintain your muscles. And if you're not sure how much protein you should eat based on your body, you can go to the keto calculator, which is linked in the protein show. Yep. And everything else that we eat comes from fat, whether it's on our plate or whether it's from that Krispy Kreme we ate a decade ago. That's right. So somebody in the forum asked, how do I get started? And you had a really good example. Yes, that's right. Um, this person said, I'm not sure how to get started. There's so much information. It seems so easy and yet so complex. You, all you guys are saying, do this, do this, do that, do that. I don't know how to get started. Yeah. And I said, okay, it's, it's actually really easy. Your first mm -hmm. day, which you can then extend to the first week or however long you want to do it. Sure. Just eat as much as you want of the following kinds of foods meat and fatty meats, uh, butter, cream cheese, uh, hard cheese, olives, avocados, uh, you know, have a salad with dressing. You have to work out whether that dressing has carbs in it. If you're really not sure, just stick with oil and salt or oil, vinegar and salt. Yeah. Just, you know, absolute zero carb foods, but eat as much as you want. Really, that's mm. and that's what Atkins told us too. And the reason is that in the very beginning, your goal isn't to lose weight. Your goal is to get fat adapted. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You want to get your insulin down to a point where your liver can start calling on your body fat for fuel. Now, that's true. It only happens when there's a deficit of fat. But if you start right out of the gate not eating fat, your your body isn't going to know what to do. It doesn't know how to process all that fat yet. So you have to train it, and that's what you're doing. You're sort of like training your liver in the first couple of weeks. In fact, all of your body cells that can burn fat, um, all of them are becoming better at burning fat. So that's all right. your, muscle, your muscle cells, your heart. Yeah, so right in the beginning, just eat as much as you want of those kinds of foods, and uh, if you get hungry, just eat more of them. Oh, I, did I say bacon? Yeah, bacon. Yeah, um, bacon. Bacon and yeah. butter. I forgot those two. Typical snack, you know, for hunger control is spread a little cream cheese on some bacon, make a pound at a time, put it in the fridge, take it out, break them off like crackers. Uh, nice. You know, that's what we do. Nice. All right. So, Richard, how are we going? How did you do this week? So, I'm actually doing quite well. I'm on uh, day two of a three-day fast. Uh, I started at 8 p.m. last night, and it's uh, currently, it's almost midnight here in Australia. Uh, so I'm what, 20, uh, 28 hours into a 72 hour fast. Yep. And, uh, it's, uh, Friday midnight. And on Sunday, before I'm going to break my fast about 8 p.m. on Sunday. So I'll have a big dinner. And I've already, I've already chosen a wagyu, a wagyu steak for, for dinner. Huh. And, um, and just before, just before dinner time, I'm going to do, uh, a 100k bike ride. Awesome. <laughs> so I'm going, so I'm three days of fasting and then 100k bike ride. 
That's great. And I'm still losing I'm still losing weight slowly, but you know, it takes time because I have a high residual uh, base load of insulin. I, I produce a lot of insulin even when I don't eat anything. So um and that puts the floor under my weight loss. And so I have to I have to use strategies like uh, fasting and and um uh, glycogen depletion through exercise and, yep. and things like that to get to get to where I need to. Yep. Um, but how are you going, Carl? Well, just before I answer that um, comment is that one of the reasons that people get confused about, um, and, and this plays into our ketophobia show, one of the reasons people get confused about whether or not you should eat fat, uh, you know, and are afraid of it is because you can actually lower your insulin level by exercising and eating less. Yes. Yeah. And so, but the problem is that if you're not doing 20 grams a day or less, or actually 50 grams. If you're not below 50 grams, you do that, you lower your insulin level and you go for an exercise and you, you don't eat so much and okay, your insulin is down for a little while, but then you have a, a piece of fruit and you think mm. that's healthy. You eat some grapes or yeah. something and boom, your sugar goes up, boom, and, up she goes. and all yeah. of that work that you just did is, is uh, reversed. Yeah, it's all part of that glucose roller coaster that both of us were on. It's, yeah. it's a horrible. I was I was explaining this to somebody the other day when they they uh, they asked me what the mental effects of ketogenic diet were, and I said, you know, there are uh, advantages from from a brain standpoint, but really for me, the the greatest advantage is that I feel I can focus without distraction for hours. Whereas you know, when I was a glucose burner. I'd eat something, I'd feel sleepy for about an hour, and then I'd feel alert for maybe 30 minutes, and then I'd feel hungry, and then I'd, my sugar would, my glu- blood glucose would drop, and then I'd have to go out and eat something else. And sort of every three hours I was eating, and I was going through this sleepy because I've just eaten, alert for 30 minutes, and then hungry and distracted because I was hungry, you know. So, um, it, it when you, when I'm in ketosis, I can concentrate for hours on end. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. So how am I doing? So here's what happened. Um, I, I, I'm at a place right now that's very strange for me because when I went mm-hmm. to Oslo, as I told you before, I had, a, I had some carby meals and then I fasted and then I ate keto most of the time. Right. And I came back and, and my weight wasn't too bad, but I've had a hard time getting back on my one meal a day routine. Really? So, you, so you've been hungry? Yeah, yeah, I've been hungrier, and I, I chalk it up to those, those carbs. And even though they were, you know, I, I kept them in check, and I didn't go crazy. It just had this lingering effect, and so I'm finding it really hard to jump back in. And I have been eating ketogenic since I came back completely. Yeah, but I think I've been overeating. I think I've been eating too much. Yeah, and uh, there is a thing that if you eat too much, uh, even in the macros, you're going to not lose weight or you're even going to gain weight. Yeah. It sometimes takes uh, four or five days to get back into ketosis after after you've had a, an event where right. you had a, a lot of carbs. So, or even a small amount of carbs above your, your right. uh, you know, above your 50, 50 grams, it, you, it takes you uh, sometimes a week to get back into ketosis. So, isn't it strange though that right after, you know, my blood sugar was good and everything was fine, but the effects lingered for a few days. Yeah. 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 So if you if if it's drop if it's pushed you out of ketosis and you're not making ketones, your uh, ability to provide energy 
is dropping and so your body's starting to get warning signals it's going to DEFCON 1 it's saying right now we need to up the intake of energy because we're having trouble supplying enough energy so yeah i get um, what, i get what it, you're saying but i i almost yeah. think that I, I almost think it's different right now i think i am in ketosis because i'm not as hungry as i could be when i have carb cravings and right. I, I i but i just think that i'm at this point where um you know where i'm just having this lingering effect so i'm eating more and i'm eating more of fat and protein like i'm not eating carbs yeah right so sure. i'm in ketosis but i just haven't been able to get back to that routine of one meal a day where i really yeah. really was you know in my stride when i was like yeah you were you were powering yeah yeah so, yeah so so let it be a cautionary tale to you kids that you think that oh this one you know whatever isn't going to you know i can recover from this you know don't get cocky don't don't do a carl and get all cocky because yeah <laughs> All right, but now today, I'm uh, participating in a fast that uh, Brenda Zorn has organized in her Keto Ninjas group, which is great. By the way, this is a small group. Don't ask to join it. She likes to keep it small. We do have a group. We have a great group on Facebook. We have what 781 people. So uh, absolutely, fb.2keto.com will get you there. So what we like to do is every once in a while, um, a bunch of us say, hey, we're doing a fast this weekend, right? And, and everybody does it. And it's so cool. So uh, I'm, I'm on board for that. So you're, you're in the first day, right? Because you're 12 hours behind me. Yeah. Yep. I'm in my first day. And uh, what's also cool is I have two gigs with a band this weekend. So oh, there's yeah. going to be a lot of exercise moving around yeah. and singing my brains out. So. Yeah. Should be it should be a good way to to just drop back in and hopefully no Taco Bell. No, there's going to be no Taco Bell. <laughs> there will be no Taco Bell this weekend. Uh, yes. You need to pack a fathead pizza. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. Well, Richard, cool. that brings us to the segment of our show that we call Mail. We're justified and we don't ignore <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Enough of that. So I've got um, a message that came in on our Facebook group, and we've just mentioned that uh, fb.2keto.com if you want to get into the group. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is from Karen Binder. And uh, she says, uh, thanks for adding me. I've listened to your podcast since week one. Sadly, I haven't found you earlier. Uh, thank you, Karen. <laughs> Um, and uh, she really loves her show. She's from Austria, so she's uh, ex uh, begging excuses for her English. Well, I tell you, her English is better than my German. So. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so um, she uh, tries to get into keto for three weeks, but it won't happen. I, I really eat no carbs and sugar instead of vegetables and a bit of cheese or some berries. Do I have to fast, eat nothing for three days? Would it happen faster? I don't want to lose much weight, but the body fat should disappear that I can gain muscles, which... Are visible and not hidden under the fat. So, so my response really to, to Karen is no, you don't need to fast. Um, once yeah. your body's become good at moving energy from fat cells to your muscles, it's easy to fast and it does great things to your chronic insulin levels. Um, but really the first goal is to become good at using fat for energy. That's what we really want to do. And, and, and that's really why when you first start, you just want to eat from a list of foods that are high in fat. Yep. Um, 
to train your body. So basically, you want your body to become good at uh, using fat for energy by giving your body no carbs or very little. And it has no choice. It has to become good at using fat yep. for energy. Yep. Once you become good at burning fat, your body will then always have access to energy. And so your appetite should mostly disappear. Yeah. Uh, then you can eat uh, less fat to use energy stored in your body fat or eat more fat to store energy in your body fat. So yep. it's really uh, you're totally in control at that point. You eat more fat to put on a bit of weight. You eat less fat to, to lose a bit of weight. Mm. And now- Eventually, if you're if you're continue if you've got a lot of weight to lose and you're continue continually dropping weight, eventually your appetite will return. It'll return at the point where your body thinks it doesn't have enough body fat, enough stored energy, and that point's going to be different for all of us. It's driven by how much insulin we make, and those of us who were diabetic and made a lot of insulin generally stopped losing weight at a higher set point, and we have to use strategies like fasting. Um, or or exercise to to lower our insulin levels so that we continue losing weight. Right, and as we saw in the eating pattern show, that your insulin level, how much insulin you make when you're fasting, really depends on how heavy you are. Yeah, the more fat you have on your body, the higher your basal insulin rate will be. Yeah, right. And so when you get down to to less, your insulin level should be lower. And uh, there, and as Richard said, you then have to, you know, learn how to manage it and keep it off. Um, and I think that's yeah. probably where exercise helps a lot more for people like that than uh, than simply eating fat. Yeah, there are certainly strategies for, for for lowering your insulin, but most people think that being fat causes a lot of these problems such as high basal level of insulin. Yep. But it's actually the other way around. The high basal level of insulin underpins the the energy that you're storing in your body. Right. So um, so really if you lower your insulin, um, uh, you'll find that your body fat disappears. And I'll tell you an interesting story. Okay. One of my one of my dogs has type one diabetes or canine diabetes. And we've been giving her 50 units of insulin twice a day, which is a lot of insulin for a dog. Yeah. And she's been putting on weight and she spends the whole time in the sun trying to get energy, sleeping in the sun trying to – because she's cold and it's winter in Canberra. And um, and she's putting on weight and we try and get her out to exercise. She just doesn't want to exercise. And mm. – um, we found out recently that she has a problem with the thyroid gland. And once we started medicating it to help with her thyroid levels, all of a sudden uh, her blood glucose dropped. We were able to lower the insulin. So we, dro we dropped her insulin from 50 down to 25. And in two weeks, she lost 10% of her body weight. Hmm. And she's en energetic. She is never cold and lying in the sun. She wants to go chase butterflies and stuff. So, you know, it it's remarkable how important insulin is to how much energy we store. Wow. There you go. So we also got a message in the, in the same forum from Angel M. Chavez, who says, now I have some questions. One thing in particular makes no sense to me. People keep saying you don't have to add a lot of fat to your diet once you're adapted, that you can use your body fat. But if you still don't eat a majority of fat, then w what do you eat? Too much protein knocks mm. you out of ketosis, apparently. Too much carbs will do sure. the same. Please help me understand how your intake can change. And so I answered this. I still eat enough protein. That never changes, never goes away. No. I also eat some fat, but I need less to feel full. I only eat one meal a day. Well, last week, 
(laughs) I will again next week. I can do this, I think, because I'm fat adapted. When there's not enough fat on my plate, my liver starts burning body fat, and that's perfectly fine with me. Yeah. So this is the same story. It is. It comes up a lot, really. Right. Yeah. The the thing is that uh, uh, a a low-carb diet will always be a high-fat diet. Right. Even if you don't need a lot of fat on your plate, Mm. your body is getting most of its energy from fat. Um, But if you don't have a lot of fat on your plate, a lot of energy on your plate, it'll get it from body fat until it runs out. Right. And protein is sort of a a dark art, right? I mean, even the experts disagree on protein and how much you should eat and uh but I, I i'm a firm believer that i need to have for my weight about 100 grams of protein a day and i'm not going to change that anytime soon i don't mess with that I, I don't overeat it but i make sure i get enough uh, so the final mail that we have is from uh, kaylee baker christopher and um she says uh, i'm at a continuing medical education conference. She's a physician's assistant. And uh, I've seen some encouraging and discouraging presentations in regard to our progress with the management of uh, diabetes mellitus type 2 and obesity. Um, It seems that it's pretty universally acknowledged that uh, sugar is harmful, but low-carb and ketogenic diets continue to be presented as hard to follow and dangerous. It took everything I had to not outright disagree, at least verbally, with the presentation by a physician on obesity yesterday who stated that she won't give up her beans and rice for anything and therefore doesn't think her patients would. Hmm. So so, uh, Kaylee suggests that we uh, please continue talking to your medical providers about what you're doing and about how it's helping you. Um, They're not getting a fair presentation of this approach and it's a tool that could be extremely beneficial. Carl and I have both found this. We've both found dramatic differences. Um, and it's also cost effective for, for patients. Kaylee goes on, she says, I'm talking to my colleagues too, but like all humans, we sometimes need to hear things from multiple sources before we give it serious consideration. M- medical providers want to do what's right for the patient, their patients as well themselves, um, but they're not getting good information on this subject. So please tell your provider what you're doing and why and refer them to the, the podcast. <laughs> Thank you, Kaylee. Mm-hmm. Um, because we put a lot of references in the, in the, to the literature uh, for skeptical medical providers to chew on for a while. Right. So, Thank you for that. That was that was an awesome uh, thread that uh, started everyone's talking about their experiences with their doctors, right. and uh, and I, I I agree with her. It's important to to include your doctor, even if they disagree with what you're doing. Um, they have to respect the results, and um, and you have to. You, it's really a good idea to engage them on this because the opportunity exists for you to show your your medical provider. Uh, something new that may help their other patients. So and that's exactly what happened with me and Richard. Um, the thing that I take away from Kaylee's message here, which is great, thank you, Kaylee, uh, is that the doctors are are kind of clueless. So they, you know, like my doctor's just sort of sitting on the sideline waiting mm. and giving me six months to turn my all my numbers around. She's particularly worried about cholesterol. Sure. And, you know, she's just sort of like, okay, you know, you do what you want. But I think that this fear that the doctors have is endemic. I think so, yeah. And I think the biggest concern they have is, okay, it works for you, but it seems like it's ridiculously easy to to go off the diet. And when you do, that's where the problems start. Right. And and they're right about that. Mm. Uh, and so, therefore, because there isn't any support structure that they have control over, 
you know, that they can bring you to, you know, like a two keto dudes forum or whatever, that they're a little hesitant because they, they want you to stay on it and, and it and they realize that it can be hard for people. I mean, look at the comp, look at the challenges that I had this week and I've lost 60 yeah. pounds, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. And so uh, you can, this can happen. So, and so the issue is that the ketogenic diet isn't dangerous, but doing it and then going off of it, you know, could really be a problem. And so here's my suggestion to all the listeners of Two Keto Dudes out there. Start a support group. Mm, Yeah. Start a support group at work. Good idea. At school. Your peer group. I was talking to, I had lunch with my daughters yesterday in, uh, and we went to a really nice restaurant and got steaks and stuff. It was great. Hmm. And um, they, they said, they both said this, that when teenage girls get together and teenage, you know, my oldest daughter's 20, Emmy, you know, when girls get together, they like to eat junk food and it's a social right. thing and they feel pressure that they don't want to, you know, show up with their bacon and cheese crisps and everybody looks horrified at them yet they're popping Cheetos and Reese's and Starburst sure. and candies and crap, but they like to get together and eat junk food to comfort themselves. Hmm. So the social problems are the biggest problems. And I told them, I said, well, you know, why don't you educate your friends and maybe start a group yeah, and, true. you know, and a start a research group and a support group where you get together maybe once a week and uh, show new science to each other like Richard and I get together. And I got to yeah. tell you, doing this podcast has been my support yeah. group. It's been wonderful. That's exactly how we start. That's how we started was as, as a support group um, to, uh, to, to get Carl going basically and, you know, hopefully help some other people and, uh, and then, you know, we started the Facebook group. Uh, we started off with another Facebook group and then decided we had to start our own because there were so many people. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, the whole thing's blowing, it, you know, it's blown up. And the whole thing's grown expans- uh, exponentially ever since. Yeah. Right. So I think that's a really good idea. Uh, so nobody else is going to do it for you. Uh, I think, um, you know, the, the early adopters such as we are, we're, we're natural born influencers and, and we mm-hmm. should uh, use that to, for the powers of good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. And that gets us to ketophobia, the topic of our show, Richard. Yeah. The reason we came to this um, topic is we interviewed a woman, Carrie Thompson. Yes. Who I found in another keto group. On Facebook, somebody asked the question, hey, anybody been on this diet for more than six weeks? I see a lot of people who are just getting started or, Mm. you know, maybe a few months and they're having great success, but I'd like to hear from some people who've been on it for longer. And Carrie piped up and she said, 18 years. Wow. (laughs) And I thought... What? This is great. Like We got to talk to talk to her. Yeah, Yeah. we got to talk to her. And so, um, well, let's play that conversation that we had now. So, Carrie, welcome to the show. Carrie Thompson. Thank you. So, 18 years. Tell us us your story. Uh, Well, it's not going to be that exciting. I was just a bookstore. I'm kind of a nerd. And I saw an Adkins book and just picked it up and read it. I was actually in pretty good shape at the time. I was in my mid-20s. Um, I had worked as a personal trainer, and I have horses, so <laughs> I'm hauling hay and shoveling poop. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I really had no weight loss goals or anything, no health problems. Um, I just picked up the book and it made sense and I started it and stuck with it. So you really started uh, a low carb diet because you were convinced that the, the carbs were not doing you any good health wise. You, you didn't have any symptoms of any kind of metabolic syndrome or anything, huh? No, not that I knew of. Um, I looking back and, and, you know, now if I eat too many carbs or something, I know that it gives me insane cravings. Mm. And I used to eat a lot of candy, um, sweets were my weakness, you know, Twizzlers, Skittles. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. And after trying it, you know, realizing the way I felt versus the way I felt before, it was, you know, it was obvious. <laughs> And did you go to your doctor or anything about it? Were you concerned that it might be a little strange and unknown and maybe even dangerous or anything? No, I pretty much just did it and, and stuck with it. Now, I did go through two pregnancies where I went off because I didn't, at the time, there was really no literature that I knew of that said it was safe, and safety was my main concern for the, the baby. Right. If I knew then what I know now, I would have totally stayed on. But um, I gained a lot of weight, had a lot of cravings, felt like crap, looked mm. like crap, mm. and then went back to normal after breastfeeding for a few months and stuff. So It's fantastic. And you're never heavy. Well, just, just during pregnancy and, and for a short time after. Yeah, yeah, of course. That's expected. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wow, it's just astounding. And and how how did you? What was the change in your feeling when you started? And has that feeling lasted the whole time? Just felt better overall. Just better. Um, <laughs> just better. Mm, just better. Um, less food, you know, crappy food cravings. I mean, I've always known. I've always kind of been interested in um, fitness and and nutrition and stuff. And it just, you know, yeah. If you can eat and not crave all kinds of other stuff that you know isn't good for you, then why not do it? Hmm. So, Carrie, you've been on a low-carb diet now for 18 years. Do you think that uh, that experience has changed uh, over time? Um, no, I don't think so. The only thing really that has changed much for me is um, with Facebook and all these groups and recipes and stuff for about, 16 of those years, I was pretty bored because A, I hate to cook. B, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not creative whatsoever because it's something I don't like to do as far as cooking and stuff. So now there are endless, countless recipes that are, you know, all over the place instead of just steak and scrambled eggs and bacon, you know, your, your main. So that's about the only thing that's changed for me. All right. I got a story for you, and this is germane to our conversation. I got a call from an investor friend of mine, and he had successfully invested in companies with friends of mine who are now, you know, multimillionaires in the tech businesses. And he had heard the rumblings that this keto thing was taken off. And he knew who I was from my tech podcasts. And he started listening to two keto dudes at the recommendation of a friend. And then he was like, is that, is that Carl? What? You know? (laughs) And so he called me up and he asked me what I thought about, you know, the ketogenic diet and does it have legs and, and all of this, you know, and he's thinking of it as an investment that like he was thinking of, I don't know, starting wellness centers and programs and all this other stuff, you know, the Mm -hmm. stuff that, uh, 
eh, whatever. He's he's looking for a way to turn a dollar, right? Right. And and his he says the thing I come back to again and again is it looks too good to be true. There's got to be a downside. Like for somebody who's got to be on it for a long, long time, it's going to have to kill him or something, right? And I said, no, I no. don't see a downside. <laughs> and, and Carrie, you're living proof of that. I mean, I guess so. Yeah. You haven't, how, when was the last time you went to a doctor? <laughs> um, it's been a while. Um, probably... Well, for blood tests and all that stuff, it's probably been four or five years. I just don't go unless I'm dying. <laughs> right. And and you, you, do you know the results of your blood test? Is it something you could share? Um, I don't remember the exact numbers, but everything was perfect. Everything was perfect. Yeah. There you go. Diabetes runs really hard in my family. Okay. And ah. um, the diabetic side also has very high blood pressure, and everybody's on statins and all that, and... I'm not, and I finally talked my mom into this. She, she criticized for 16 of those 18 years, I guess. Unbelievable. And, yeah, then she finally, you know, when she, she's been on blood pressure meds for, uh, as far as I can remember, forever. And she finally, I guess, got sick of taking five blood pressure meds a day. And she was wow. diagnosed as pre, pre-diabetic. Her mother, sister, grandmother, and great-grandmother, I think, were all diabetic. And... She finally just started reading, I guess, and decided she'd give it a try. And three months in, I think it's been about three months, she's on off of all but one <sighs> blood pressure medicine. It's wonderful. And no longer diabetic. She's got great blood sugars and stuff, and oh. she's, she's enjoying it. So here, you know, these are the kinds of stories people need to hear. And that's why right. we wanted to have you on the show, because, you know, people are afraid of this diet. Yeah. And... Uh, and there you go, man. There's nothing, nothing healthier. We've certainly got family members who are like that. In fact, both of our mothers, funnily enough, uh, are both. You know, not my mother's not necessarily resistant, but she's a she's been a a, a fruit eater for most of her life, right? And mm-hmm. she finds it sort of incongruous that 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 you know. She's always been told and has always thought that uh, that high fat food was bad for you. And so she, when I first started doing this, she said, are "You are you sure? You know, it doesn't that just doesn't make a lot of sense." Um, right. And you know, but but I'm living proof. I've been low carb, I guess, for almost a decade. Yeah. Uh, except for except for one period where, under doctors' orders and dietitians' orders, they um, my LDL cholesterol was going up, and so they said you need to go on a special diet to uh, to combat that. And I, I was pre diabetic as well, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I went on this uh, it was a high carb, low fat diet, and I became more diabetic. I became very very sick. In that time, and uh, you know, that was just a period of about three years. In the past decade, most of the rest of the past decade, I've been uh, low carb. So it's just that, just going on a high carb diet during that time, just tipped me over the edge. And uh, and you know, I'm just glad I did, did find keto two years ago, and that sort of got me back from the brink. Yeah. But uh, it, you know, it, it's uh, it's incredible to hear of somebody who's been doing it for almost twenty years yeah. because. Yeah, for the, you know the, the 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 big problem is that there's no there's no people really having a traditional pattern of eating 
some um, uh, Inuit tribes uh, are believed to be Quito and the Maasai and mm. you know some other tribes, but we don't really have long decades long practice of uh, eating ketogenic. Well, certainly not in the Western world, right? No. Uh, yeah, we really don't. I mean, it's just antidotes like Carrie's. And, and Carrie, uh, the other thing that's amazing to me is that you said your mother, who has diabetes, sits back for 16 of those 18 years, wags her finger at you while you're healthy and she's sick. Right. <laughs> that's crazy. That is yeah. the epitome of crazy. It's, it's insane, but it's it's hard to, I guess it's hard to turn around what you've been told forever. Even though but, you're sick, yeah. you know, you're, you're, oh, wake up people. Doctors are telling you this, so it must be true. <laughs> I just wonder how they explain it away, right? I mean, oh, you must be one of those 1% of the population that responds well to the ketogenic diet. You know, your liver must work differently than everybody else's or something. I don't know. I don't know. I've never, I've never mentioned it. Never mentioned it to a doctor or a nurse or anybody. No. And, and what's also interesting is you, it sounds like you didn't play hardball with them. You just... Set yourself as an example. I mean, I know so. I we fight constantly the urge to quote unquote help people. You know, <laughs> uh, you see somebody, you know, having in a restaurant just eating the wrong stuff, and they're obviously sick and tired and fat, and you just want to go over to and smack them and say, "I can fix you," but you can't do that. Of course, people have to come to this of their own will. Otherwise, it, you're, you'll ruin it for them. Right. That's the most I've ever said to anybody other than my mother. You know, with mom, I can be like, hey, look at me. I've done it for how many years and blah, blah, blah. But the most I ever say to anybody is, hey, I've heard this. Why don't you Google it? And, right. you know, let them, let them see and do what they're going to do because I'm not going to convince them. So. In my case, it's pretty easy. Uh, I printed up some business cards, and people might want to do this too who've had success. I printed up some business cards that simply say, I reverse type 2 diabetes in two and a half months and lost, you know, 30 some odd pounds, whatever it was, and uh, all without medication and uh, just with good food and a lot of unraveling of conventional wisdom. Right. And I, and I send it, you know, put the link to the, to the podcast and stuff. And I think I even put my numbers on the back, what they were beginning, what they are now. And I, and when people ask me, cause I know a lot of people and they say, Wow, you've lost a lot of weight. How'd you do it? I'd simply take out the card and say, if you're interested, this is how right. I did it. I don't, I don't, it's hard to sit and tell the same story over and over again. Right. Is it, do you have the same experience that people, uh, because see, I see you're different though, because you, you, your physicality probably doesn't look any different now than it did back well, then. I have everybody in my family has diabetes and I don't, or everybody in my family has high blood pressure and I don't, but I'm still, I'm in 42, so it's not like I'm 60 and, and I mean, you know, my mom had high blood pressure at least, I guess, around her 30s. Hmm. I don't know about wow. everybody else, but it's not like I'm old enough, I mean, I'm, I'm older enough to have high blood pressure and diabetes, obviously, but... Like I said, I can't say that, you know, I overcame this or, you yeah. know. Well, you certainly prevented it. I, I did. I know that for a fact. Yeah. yeah. I, just, I just tell people, you know, Google it. And if I've been doing it forever. And then if they come back with questions, I'll answer them. But I, I don't really push it. I want to a lot. But yeah. I, <laughs> it's I hard. So. It's hard to resist. I think yeah. your story is 
a real inspiration to people who uh, aren't necessarily overweight, but want to be healthy and want to prevent heart attacks, strokes, diabetes, and all the diseases of civilization, so to, so to speak. Um, and, and that's another reason why I wanted you to come on and tell your story. It's just wonderful. Well, I hope so. I hope, I hope if one person changes something, that's a Yeah, that's right. Well, Carrie, thank you very much. Is there anything else that you wanted to say? No, I don't know I can think of. Okay. Thank you very much, Carrie. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So there you go. Well, that Richard. was fascinating. Yeah, that was fascinating. 18 years, that's a long time. Yep. Uh, and this has always been the problem is people say, you know, short term it'll help you lose a bit of weight, but after a couple of weeks you'll go back to eating what you what you went back, what caused you to have the problems in the first place, and you'll go straight back to uh, being fat and lazy again. And, uh, you know, Carrie's perfect example that, uh, you know, you just have to be have to get stubborn and just yeah. say, stick out your jaw and say, no, I'm just going to do it, you know? Yeah, kudos to Carrie. I mean, she did it without Absolutely. any support for, for 16 years. In fact, her family wagging their finger in her face. So we went <laughs> to our Two Key to Dudes Facebook group. And we asked, I basically said, hey, Richard and I are doing the show on ketophobia. We'd like to get your experiences with either mm. other people in your life that have a fear of keto or a fear of fat or whatever it is. And uh, or maybe it was you, you know, did you have it yeah. and how did you get over it? So so let's read a few of these. You want to start? Sure. So the first one we had was from Hector Santos and, and he said, my trainer, he keeps telling me you've dropped your carbs to how many grams? That's not good for you. You won't build muscles that way, and you'll enter ketosis, which is very dangerous. Dope. <laughs> He's trying to get me to ingest brown rice, rice cakes, and even suggests a donut could give me energy. Oh. He's a great trainer, but I don't discuss nutrition with him anymore because he keeps sounding the alarms that I'm about to commit suicide with a keto diet. Yeah. Dear, oh, dear. Dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Yeah. Oh. I actually – I've – I've been uh, going to personal trainers ever since I came back to Australia in 2006, and my 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 uh, first trainer I still still keep in contact with has gone keto himself. And it, when I first started, he thought, "Oh, that doesn't make sense." Mm. And he had me on this diet that was like lots of fruit salad and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but once I started to see results in the keto diet. Um, you know, that, that, that was really what got him excited because he'd seen that I was struggling and unable to get anywhere. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, this diet, this diet really seemed to, to give me traction. I was having traction with being able to take control of these issues. All you can do is, is give people the science and say, you yeah. know, if you can, sh this is the science that I've seen. And these are real studies, right? These are yeah. randomized trials, which are the holy grail of scientific studies. Yeah. And uh, if you can find me something, you know, that counters this, I go for it and let's compare notes. Yeah. And, you know, uh, that has shut many people up and for better or for worse in, in my life. Show me the science. Mm. I'm going to make T-shirts that say, show me the science. <laughs> Hashtag two keto dudes. Yeah, I want one of those T-shirts. <laughs> yeah, me too. All right. The next one is from Ryan Scott Spletzer. And he says, I never had ketophobia per se, but I always had doubts, I suppose. I'd had various fits and starts with different flavors of low-carb diets in the past, and the inevitable fears that folks try to pass on are usually something along the lines of, okay, that's fine, but you know, losing all that weight that way, you'll just gain it all back and then something. 
I even had nutritionists and medical professionals tell me this, along with friends and family. I think part of the reason why I could never stick to it in the past up till now and never understood that this is a lifelong thing for me is because I never understood the science behind it all. You have the Tim Ferrisses yeah. of the world who were on the right track, but just basically telling you, eat this way, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really? I mean, it's that, true. It's yeah. true. That that's right. Yeah. It's a leap of faith. Yeah. We said this in the newbie yeah, show. Pretty much. And also advising to cut out dairy, which I never understood. Um, yeah. And Ryan, that's probably because some people have a uh, different reaction to dairy and not just yeah. the sugary dairy, but, you know, even heavy cream. The proteins in dairy. The proteins of dairy, yeah. Some people have specific reactions to the proteins in dairy. I know um, Professor Tim Noakes says of his banting program, if you're banting and you're having trouble and you're not having success, try excluding dairy because yep. for some people that's an issue. Right. So he goes on to say, having a sound foundational scientific understanding around why this is the best way for me to eat most of the time and understanding why I'm losing the weight that I've lost, not just the how, yeah. was earth shattering for me. <laughs> earth shattering, Richard. Earth shattering. Yeah. yeah. I, I've known about keto before, but this is the first time armed with the knowledge of why it works that I've ever truly felt in control of my body and metabolism. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It feels like I have this on autopilot finally, and I'm freed up to think about other things in life. It's truly quite amazing. Uh, I couldn't agree more. No, that started out as a, what, it, what are your fears about keto and ended up being a testimonial for yeah. keto. <laughs> But yeah, it's true. I mean, that control is remarkable. Right. I have a, a story of ketophobia from my real life. This is when mm. I started doing Atkins probably in 94, 95, somewhere like around okay. there. And yeah. uh, I lived in California and my wife and I had some friends through the work that I was doing and we were both working at this place and we all decided to try it. And uh, I loved it. And I had no yeah. problems with it. In fact, it was great for me. But I was heavier than my friend. And my friend basically stopped after a week. Oh, no. And I think this might be typical. And he said, I just felt terrible. Mm. I, I felt like I was killing myself. I thought I was ruining my body because I had, you know, I was like nauseous and, and aggressive. He said he, he felt aggressive, you know, yeah. which is another word for high energy. You know, I guess. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, you know, and he thought, he thought this was, you know, going to ruin him because he didn't understand that, that, that keto flu is a, an expectable thing. Yeah. Yeah. I pretty much think these programs should start out with a disclaimer saying you're going to feel like rubbish for the first two, three weeks. Right. Get ready, expect it because it's your body changing yeah. how it fuels itself. And once you get past that, you're going to feel awesome. And, you know, that's really, that's really the experience that I want to, or that, that's what I want to explain to people who first start this right. thing or, you know, having a problem with headaches, or whatever. Yeah. This too will pass. And you can read the, the testimonials on our page and everywhere else. Everybody seems to have the same experience. They go through this flu and then they get over it and then it's like smooth sailing. All right. So who else, who else replied? So, so we've got one from Dusty Christ. Um, my wife's best friend is an MD and she convinced uh, me that keto will give me a heart attack. Mm. <laughs> she actually accused me of making up my lab results oh. sheet because it was perfect. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
And uh, meanwhile, after years on a high-carb, low-fat, low-calorie diet, she's gained half the 100 pounds I lost. And and she had to start taking the diabetes meds that I know that I no longer need. And she still tells me I'm going to have a myocardial infarction. Hey, are you beginning to see a pattern here, kids? Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Look at Carrie. You know, she had the same experience for 16 years. Her mother was like, you're going to die. You're going to die. Well, she's dying. It's crazy. (laughs) All right. It's incredible. So this one came from Jesse Dumancho. For me, when I tried everything else, I tried what seemed crazy and it seems to work. Mostly convinced by the different podcasts I listen to. I'm trying to brainwash myself against conventional wisdom as most Americans are fat. So why listen to them, right? (laughs) Do what skinny people who used to be overweight do, not what the book says. (laughs) Yeah, it's like learning from an instructor versus a book written 50 years ago. By the way, I hit my 30-pound loss this morning in three months. Oh, well done, Jesse. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's incredible that a lot of what we're taught... Uh, is that fat causes us to be fat and that um, putting on weight is a function of not exercising enough mm. or just being too gluttonous and eating too much food. Um, and, and, and these things are uh, – there's a simpler biochemical explanation for why there exists in the world people who are obese and hungry and don't have the energy to do any exercise. Yeah. There's no other. There's no other explanation for those three things all happening in the one in the one animal. Right. So we had one more from Chandra Jocelyn Pyle, and she says, "I'm sure you want to mention health professionals. Mm. I went for my last blood test, and I'd been fasting as usual. I didn't know that 12 to 15 hours was the range that they like for these tests. When I wandered in, saying, "Oh yes, I've not eaten for 20 hours," the nurse went ballistic. Oh. Rang my doctor rang the blood lab, told me to eat, I must be starving, blah, blah, blah. They, of course, thus refused to do the test until the next day. She even told me to eat my evening meal and get up at midnight for a snack. That's insane. Before coming in for an 8 a.m. blood test. So it was only eight hours since I last ate. Looking it up, she was certainly wrong about that. I did say to her that it should be at least 12 hours for a fast, but I had had her so rattled, she probably had something to eat after I left oh the room. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> anyway, I did not have an overnight snack as I'm trying to lower my fasting insulin level. I think it was still over 15 hours before I had the next test as I had to wait there so long. Interestingly, I was telling another nurse friend about having my fasting insulin tested. I specifically asked for it, and neither she nor any of her nursing colleagues had ever heard of it. Jeez. I now consider it almost the primary blood marker that I want under control. Yeah. And I totally agree with you, Chandra. I had this problem when I went for my last blood test. I'd been 18 hours uh, fasted, uh, just intermittently fasting like I normally do, mm. and the nurse pitched a fit and basically said uh, she, she, I had to get my doctor on the phone to talk to her to confirm that it was okay that I did that. So yeah. Yeah, I, totally, I totally recognize that. So it seems that uh, a lot of the reasons that people fail uh, on this low-carb, high-fat diet isn't because of the science and isn't because they're not doing it right. It's because of people's fears, their own fears that are nagging them in the back of their head. It's very easy to rely on conventional wisdom and, uh, and get out of ketosis. 
and um, the fear from the doctors and fear from family members. And, you know, I, I think we're going to make those shirts, man. Show me the science with a hashtag yeah. two keto dudes at the bottom. Yeah, pretty much. Because every time I've done that, uh, the, the line goes dark, like they don't respond. And the reason is because, A, they probably don't want to do the science. They don't want to find out that you're right because then you'll be right. And that would be a problem. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, or they just don't care enough. And they think that, why do I have to do science? I know it's to be true. Okay, Carl. So that's that's all about uh, ketophobia. But I think I want to hear some recipes now. Recipes! 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 You save your due for a little. Recipes. Recipes. <laughs> Never gets old, does it? It doesn't. We're going to keep doing that. We're going to be uh, <laughs> doing it in two years' time, and yeah. uh, people will be wondering where we got that from. <laughs> right. Well, uh, I'm going to let you go first because yours might be a component of mine. So go ahead. Sure. Well, I've I've got a recipe, um, and this one it's on my blog easylowcarb.com, and it's a recipe for a simple tomato sauce, and it the recipe was born out of necessity. Basically, we had a couple of kilos of tomatoes getting overripe uh, from our toma- tomato vines. Sorry, I'm, I'm going to keep saying tomato or tomato. I don't know which one's going to come out. Yeah, you're Australian, so you're tomato conflicted. Is Australian, I understand. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I lived in America for eight, eight years, so I, you know, and I know yeah. whenever I say tomato, Americans sort of go blank. <laughs> so uh, You know, tomato sounds more sophisticated, so go yeah. with that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, tomato sauce. So so anyway, um, uh, so here's the here's the thing. What what I do is I make a big old pot of tomato sauce, and the recipe is on the blog. But basically, I have a load of tomatoes, onions, some chilies, garlic, capsicum. I threw in a bunch of things that were growing in the garden. Towards the end of the summer, my garden produces a lot of these vegetables and fruit. Uh, but you can just get, go to a fruit market and get old tomatoes. Tomatoes. You can get old <laughs> tomatoes and uh, and just cut the gnarly bits off them. Just chuck them into a large pot. Skin and, and all. Skin and all, and uh, what I do is I, I first of all I start with a little bit of lard. I I I put the onions and garlic and mm. and uh, these vegetables in just to soften them first, and then I chuck all my tomatoes in. I add peppers and I add a little bit of chicken stock and I add some salt and I've got all of the quantities on my website. Great, and I've done the calculation for exactly uh, how many um, how many kilocalories of uh, of energy you're going to get from uh, uh, protein, fat, and carbohydrates in this. And, okay. But the real trick with this recipe is um, once you've stewed this up for a couple of hours and you put a stick blender in to really blend it down. I then freeze the batch into ice cube trays. And so I put in four or five ice block trays full of these uh, tomato cubes, basically, freeze them, and then uh, pull them out of the ice cube trays and put them in plastic bags. And I have freezer drawers full of these tomato puree, 20-gram tomato puree um, ice blocks. And now when I need to spark up a recipe, maybe I've got some some meat, um, some pulled meat that I want to give it maybe a little bit of a barbecue flavor, I'll chuck a couple of these ice cubes 
into the into the meat in the fry pan. Uh, put a bit of um, maybe a bit of vinegar and vinegar and tomato makes a great uh, combination for yeah. for a barbecue flavor. Uh, maybe a bit of Worcestershire sauce as well. Um, really mm. easy way to make uh, make a, a turn a plain meat into a barbecue meat. Um, so that's my recipe, and really it's a technique, and that is to use ice cube trays to right. portion a large batch. Basically, I'm making a large batch of, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, several gallons batch, and then I'm transferring that to ice cube trays and then storing it in my freezer till I need them. And uh, it's really important to reiterate that step of putting it through a sieve or a strainer. Oh, Yes. Yeah, because yeah. you want to get all those, uh, you want to get all those, uh, those skins skins out of it. But, yeah, yeah. So that's my uh, tomato sauce recipe, or my tomato sauce recipe, if awesome. you prefer. So what have you got, Carl? Well, today I have uh, a recipe that I found online at wickedstuffed.com, and mm-hmm. this is a keto chicken parm. Mm, yeah. yeah, love chicken parm and zoodles too which are zucchini <laughs> noodles, which uh, it's a sort mm-hmm. of a nice side dish. Anyway, and this is why I wanted you to go first, because, you know, chicken parm has tomato sauce, and tomato yeah. sauce is one of those hard things. I mean, I don't know how many net grams of carbs are in your tomato sauce, but it's probably low because you started with fresh ingredients, right? Yeah. So net grams in uh, 120 gram uh, tw- ice cube is one gram of, of uh, net carbohydrates. That's really awesome, actually. And that's from tomatoes and onions. They're both uh, quite carby, so yeah, yeah that, that does a good job. Fun. So this is at chickenparm.2keto.com. <laughs> mm. <laughs> That'll take you there. And uh, I'm just going to read it because the story behind it is great. And I love people who experiment and then come to the, the magic place, right? My husband has been requesting this recipe once a week since I threw it together one night as a total fluke of culinary magic. It's certainly not original. People have been making pork rind crusts for a while, and I've been making Parmesan crust for even longer. But one night, I combined the two, and it has been Italian bliss ever since in our house. The breading does really make it crispy. A second trick is to make sure that you cook the chicken on a roaster rack or other oven-safe rack so that it crisps up on all sides and doesn't stick to the pan or sit in its own juices. And I would add that if you have a convection oven, you can get that stuff even crispier. Yeah, it'll dry it out nicely. Yeah. My final tip is to make sure the zoodles, and there's a link to a zoodler, which is a spiral spiral, uh, noodle maker from Zucchini, are only cooked for a few minutes. Otherwise, they'll get soft and no fun. They should be slightly crispy and fresh. And this is five net carbs per serving. So... You take four chicken breasts and that you, you pound and tenderize with a hammer, you know, a kitchen hammer. Yeah. So do you use cling wrap over the top and that's how I do over it. Over the top of the chicken. I, I use yeah, parchment or wax paper or cling yeah. wrap or something. I use, a roll, I use a rolling pin as well. A uh, rolling pin works even better because then you don't get the holes as much. Yeah. So you want to flatten them out. And that's really good to make them uh, cook quicker and more evenly. Because chicken, as and, you know, yeah, consistently. Has, yeah. Yeah, because chicken, as you know, has high parts and low parts. Uh, Two cups of crushed pork rinds. You can get these in pretty much any grocery store. If you can't find them in the potato chip aisle, look in the the Spanish or Mexican section. Uh, One cup of grated Parmesan cheese. Two tablespoons of Italian seasoning. Four small to medium-sized zucchinis. 
And of course, that's for the zoodles, right? That's for the zoodles, yeah. yeah, you You can choose to do that or not, of course. Two tablespoons of garlic oil. And of course, if you don't have garlic oil, you can use regular olive oil and just add some garlic to it. It's no big deal. Uh, one teaspoon of garlic salt. Um, you know, yeah, I would. I might want to use sea salt if I have actual real garlic there. Whatever, you know, you, you learn these things. You can, you can, you can mess around with the recipes. Uh, one cup of naturally low carb tomato sauce, and she says she uses Mezzetta. M-E-Z-Z-E-T-T-A. Okay. Or Rouse, R-A-O, apostrophe S, which yeah. I've used Rouse. Yeah, I've had Rouse, yeah. Yep. Of course, if you're like Richard, you make your own. Yeah. And if you want it uh, to be that sort of tangy, uh, ketchupy flavor, you add a bit of vinegar to it, add, add a bit of apple cider vinegar. Yep. Uh, and then, of course, a cup of mozzarella cheese. So you preheat the oven to 375. You pound and tenderize your chicken breasts in a plastic bag or container. You combine the pork rinds, Parmesan cheese, and Italian seasoning. Now, there's a step missing here, and that is I put my pork rinds and Parmesan cheese in a in a food processor and just, right. you know. Blend it up, yeah. Blend it up and get those particles very small. Yeah, you wouldn't want to use a pestle and mortar because that would grind the... Uh the pork rinds flat, so yeah. you really want to you, you want really want a chopping spinning blade to do right. that. Yep. So then take that chopped or uh, food processed pork rinds and Parmesan cheese and Italian seasoning. Put it in a plastic bag. Add your chicken breast to the bag and shake them up until totally covered. <laughs> shake and bake. <laughs> yeah. You place, yeah. You place your coated chicken breasts on a roaster rack or oven baking sheet and sprinkle about. A half a cup of mozzarella cheese on each chicken breast. I'm not so sure I would do that right away. I would probably cook them breaded first. Yeah, yeah. yeah you don't want it. You don't want the mozzarella to get burned, so you put it right at the end to just melt over. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, exactly. And then you can just broil it for like a minute to melt the cheese. So then you cook for 30 to 45 minutes, or until they reach 160 degrees Fahrenheit. It'll take longer if they're larger. Uh, and then there's the zoodle recipe, but I would just say that when those chicken breasts are done, then you go back and add the mozzarella. That's what I did. I added the mozzarella afterwards and it was better because the chicken under the mozzarella is also crispy that way. Yeah. So, so you've actually done this recipe, right? You're not just reading off a web. No. Yeah, I did it. I didn't do the zoodles, but I did the chicken and I, the only difference that I did made was I cooked the chicken breasts until they were crispy, Mm. put the mozzarella on, and then I put them under the broiler so that they don't, you know, and you got to watch them under the broiler because that cheese yeah. melts really fast. Yeah. It'll go quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It might, it might even be safer. And I didn't have a problem with burning because I only did it for like a minute, but it might be safer just to keep them in the, keep the mozzarella in the oven. It'll just melt really quickly. That's it. Little sauce over that. Mm, that sounds lovely. Yeah. I put the sauce in a little saucepan on the stove and then just added it afterwards a little dollop of sauce on the top of each piece of chicken yeah oh, yes nice <laughs> yeah nice or you could do what uh my wife does and just put the sauce on the side or not even eat sauce she doesn't really like tomato sauce but uh but so i put it on the side and then you know you dunk <laughs> yeah <laughs> that sounds awesome so yeah. uh, that's that's our recipe for the week and uh now we're going to have to come up with two new recipes for next week <laughs> yeah that's right i actually have something in store that i think will knock you out but i'm i have to try it first yeah i've got something in store that will knock you out so. all right 
recipes will be great. So, of course, if you have anything you want to tell us, something we said wrong, something that you don't agree with, some more research yeah. that you found to support or refute what we've said, send it by emails to dudes at twoketodudes.com or post it on our website in the comments section. Also, Absolutely. of course, join our Facebook group, fb.2keto.com. That's it. Awesome. Keep calm and keto on, friends. Keto on, Carl. And don't let the naysayers get you down. <laughs> don't be afraid. <laughs> nah. All right, we'll see you next time on Two Keto Dudes.